first thought that comes to your mind when thinking about the car buying process? I think about the price. I'm just a recent college graduate, so I think about how much it's going to cost me, how much a car payment's going to cost me while I'm paying for college loans as well. So that's definitely something important to me. Any horror stories? When I took my car in to get a routine fix once, I spent a little over a grand, and then I got it back, and it wasn't even fixed then, so I had to take it back again. Utter dread, to be honest with you, because I think to myself, I wish I had a friend who knew more about cars to be on your game when you go to buy a car because, you know, for instance, if I hadn't noticed that there was a crack in my windshield, I would have bought it that way. I luckily caught it and they put a whole new windshield in for me, no problem, but it's those little things that if you're not right on top of it or you don't have a friend with you to kind of like make sure everything goes well, you could really get taken for a ride, no pun intended. First thought that comes to your mind when thinking about the car buying process. Oh goodness, are they being honest with me? Or stories about taking your car in for a repair. They gave me the car back and then as I was driving home, I realized the wheels were loose and that's because they didn't tighten the lug nuts properly. They used the impact wrench without actually testing it by hand to make sure that they were actually tight. And so the wheel almost came off. It's seven figures. I'm Sandy Waters. Thank you for being a part of the weekly podcast. We're learning this together, increasing our financial IQ, adding sense to our bank of knowledge that will afford us the luxury of financial freedom. So why do so many of us have a horror story or two about buying a vehicle or taking our vehicle in for service? What can we do? What should we know to better prepare ourselves to get the best deal, to keep the sales guy or the service guy honest? We cash in with our expert, Vice President of Universal Imports, Mark Fierbacher. Thank you so much for helping us out with this. Thanks for having me. All right. So to be financially successful, it takes discipline, it takes focus, and it does take work. Now, this is a family business, right? Universal Imports. Yes. Your dad started this. Yes. And now your son is starting to dip his toe in a little bit. What are you teaching him or, or lessons that your dad taught you how to be financially smart? My parents started the company. I watched them save every penny. They okay. grew the business very slowly, not making big purchases, not living beyond the means that the business could provide at the time. They came from Germany. Germany. Yeah. In the late 60s, post-World War II, my yeah. mother built her own house with her siblings. So they know what it's like to be on hard times and to really have to save. And I feel like a lot of our kids have lost touch of those times. Like we learned it because we heard the stories from our parents. Yep. And now we go another generation. I don't know if my kids know what it is to be on hard times. No, I don't know what it is to be on hard times, but you know, I fortunately listened to my parents and saw yeah. and watched what they did as I grew up. And I hope the same for, for my son. Yeah, what do you and tell my daughter, your son? Who, who is yeah. younger, and but you know she may be part of the business too at some point. So, what are those core lessons? You know, my father has a saying: if you see a person walking around an establishment and they're turning off the lights or checking the thermostat, that's the owner. You have to take small steps. We have the means now to make big changes that could appear to be growth, but does it really add any real value, or are they just expenses? It'd be great to spend money on a brand new office, but it, it's more important to spend money on equipment for the shop to make sure that we have the okay. state-of-the-art equipment. You know, as the owner, I'll walk around the shop. My father will walk around the shop. We'll take the garbage out if it's getting full. It's just being humble and knowing what you have in front of you and really cherishing it. And one of the things that I teach my son, and I tell you, I think he's got a, a, a tremendous head start in this, is you have to be trustworthy and you have to be genuine. 
if you say you're going to do something, you have to do it. And just don't be fake. There's the aspect of being cautious and humble and not spending, but unnecessarily. But there's also the aspect of when you're dealing with people, you have to be a person of your word. Even just the name car dealer, car salesman, everybody gets this emotion of, oh boy, I can't trust that guy. You you hear people say it about salesmen in general yeah. all the time. And and it's unfortunate because the bad ones spoil it for yeah. the good ones. I think the the problem is is that in most car dealerships, in most big car dealerships, which is where a majority of cars I think get sold, you have a lot of salespeople, they work on commission and they may be experts in how to sell and not necessarily experts in what they're selling. Those kinds of things like commission and not knowing your product, uh, competing salespeople within the organization. Yeah. Those are all things that can add up to yeah. maybe misleading a customer or customers starting to feel that they're not necessarily being looked out for their best interest, but right. more for the salesperson's best interest. Okay, so that's why we brought you in, because you and I have talked before, and I feel like we can get some honest answers with you. Oh, um, you. because we all want to, oh, you're welcome. We, we all want to protect ourselves when it comes to our finances. Cause I don't know, I tend to lean the extreme where I think everybody's out to reach in my pockets. It might be a little crazy, but how can we protect ourselves? What do we need to go in armed with the knowledge of what, what is those behind the scenes, almost like a confessions of a salesman? There are so many things that go on in the inner workings of any industry. I really would say that I'm probably the wrong guy to ask as far as confessions of the typical things that go on a dealership, because when my father started this company, his first and foremost thing was to be different than everybody else. And it's really funny when I talk to some of our employees that have worked at other places, they admittedly, they say this is very different than anything I've experienced before. And in some cases, that may not be a good thing because we hold them to the fire. We really want to make sure our guys are the best they can be. And, you know, it's like a doctor's office. Uh, Your car is the patient and we're going to make sure that it gets done right with no distractions. But, uh, you know, some of the things that a customer can do when walking into a dealership. First of all, go online. You know, Wikipedia is awesome. You you can learn so many things about a car on yeah. Wikipedia. Is it helping us, helping the industry stay honest with all the tools we have online? I think it does. I think it does in a sense. I mean, there's definitely still going to be snakes out there that'll try their, try tactics that yeah. some customers may not be savvy to or pick up on. You know, financing is a, a big area where people need to, I think, learn more. You know, they may be paying way more for the financing on their car than they than they could be if they did a little more homework. What check kind of with, homework do well, we need to do? Check with your local bank. You don't necessarily need to get the car financed from the financial oh, okay. aspect of the dealership. Call your local credit union or call your local bank and ask, what interest rate can I get? A lot of people actually go into a dealership. They know a lot about the the car they want. They don't know how good their credit is. And it's pretty easy. I think you can get your credit score for free online. Know what your credit score is when you go in because then you can demand a bit more and you can right away tell the salesperson, I have excellent credit. Even if you have a challenge on your credit, call the credit reporting company and find out how you can get that taken care of. Because sometimes it's as easy as, 
just making a phone call to a creditor or something to to get something yeah. removed from your credit and build your credit score. Credit score is going to be a big part of what you're going to pay on interest and interest is going to be a big part of what you're going to pay on your monthly payment if you're financing a vehicle. Not all places are equal. Some are really good, of honest, course. they want to take care of you, but of course. you just got to be aware. And that's why we do this podcast, just kind of give you a heads up on things to look out for. I would definitely say that most car dealers are in the interest of keeping their customers happy and and not deceiving people, but yeah. you know, this is the world we live in that mm-hmm. it still does happen and sometimes it's unintentional and sometimes it's intentional, but we just have to keep an eye out for those things. So be armed when you go in. Yeah. You know, if someone were to come into into my place and they knew what they were looking for and they've done their research, it helps me help them because sometimes they give me insight into what they're looking for that helps me find them the right car. What is really the best way to get a fair price? Because we all have our strategy, you know, walk out, never accept their very first offer. What can we really do to make sure we are getting the best price? I think as much as people want a salesperson to be honest with them, I think it's also important for you as a consumer to be honest with the salesperson. And if you are looking at a specific car and you you see some other prices that are comparable online, lay it out in front of them and say, this is what I'm working with and this is what I think I should pay. And maybe you can explain to me otherwise why I should pay more or less. But I think it's just a matter of honesty uh, on both parts. You know, just have an open dialogue with the salespeople. It's very hard for me to really speak for the auto industry as a whole because our business, we're an independent car dealer. We do things so differently. And I'm not saying that that we do things so much better than everybody else. I like to think that. Uh, But we do things differently. It's a different atmosphere. Uh, And I think that goes to say if you're at any independent dealership versus a franchise dealership, they're two different atmospheres. Not saying better or worse, but different. Just different. And some people will like one over the other. And those are the kinds of things that you should test the waters on when you're when you're looking for a car. Talk to an independent car dealer like us. Talk to a franchise dealer and decide for yourself which might be the better way for you to go. What's the profit margin? Is there an average? How much wiggle room really is there? There really isn't an average because at any given time, there could be cars I have for sale that with the sale price, I'm actually losing money on. And there's a reason to lose money on a car, and that is to liquidate it. Okay. Been sitting too long or or what have you. There's also cars that we get Can you tell me the list of those cars? Sure, I'll send it to you after (laughs) the podcast. Okay, thank you. There are also cars that we get in that we know are very rare. You know, we don't want to necessarily give it away. Uh, because they don't come along that often. But what we really try to do, and I think we succeed in it, is making sure that the deal that we offer a customer is truly a a great deal. It's the right price for the car, whether we're making money on it or losing money. You got to keep the lights on somehow, though. You do. And Um, we, as customers, realize that and recognize that, but we don't want you to keep too many lights on. That's right. (laughs) So now when we're in the market for a vehicle, the question always comes up, is it better to buy new or used? Financially speaking now, we're trying to be financially smart with our money. I guess the proper answer would be there is no right answer. Everybody is going to have a different opinion. Some people would rather pay more to, to be the first person that sits in that car. 
Okay. However, if you have a good experience with buying pre-owned and you found a place to trust, I would say that a, a big part of your depreciation, 10% or more, can be right when you leave the new car lot with a new car. So for that reason, buying pre-owned becomes a real viable option and financially smart option. Yeah. Especially uh, now where the warranties on pre-owned cars are so strong. You can get certified pre-owned vehicles that sometimes have more warranty than a new car does. And that, that's a big thing that people always had. Well, if I buy used, I won't have a warranty. And yeah. that's kind of taken off the table now if you're looking at a car that has a certified pre-owned attachment to it. So. Okay. A lot of people would say, okay, I got a new car. Now it's worry-free, hassle-free for the next handful of years because everything is brand new. Whereas if I buy pre-owned, all right, now who knows when something's going to go wrong. Getting back to that certified pre-owned, one of the things, aside from getting more warranty with a, with a vehicle that has one of those certifications on it, is they have to meet a pretty rigorous inspection process. So the tires okay. have to be new or practically new. Same with the brakes. Is it different now? Has that become more? It is, it is different. Yeah. Strict. Yeah, okay. I, I would say in the last ten years, the whole car buying experience, whether it's new or used, even more so, is very different than it used to be. Now you have those certified pre-owned warranties. Now you have so many sources on the internet to find out what you should be paying for that car. Car facts, you know, car history reports are huge. We were one of the first dealers in Rochester to subscribe to Carfax and give them out free with each car that we okay. we sell. And quite frankly, still today, I wouldn't I wouldn't buy a car for my lot without running a Carfax and an auto check right off the bat. And those are two tremendous websites when we talk about researching vehicles okay. to use to find out the history of, of a pre-owned car that you might be considering. If a car has been in an accident, what kind um, of accident should we be looking for? Yeah, first of all, when you have a vehicle history report, most accidents will show up. Okay. There are some that still somehow get through because they were either small enough and they didn't have a police report or they didn't go through an insurance claim or something like that. And so therefore, you might say, well, maybe that's not anything to be too concerned about if it was so small that it doesn't yeah. even show up on a history report. If it does show up on a history report, it, it's great if you can ask that dealership, say, can you get me the records of what was done? Because the history reports won't tell you that much. They'll tell you it was in an accident, but you don't know if it's that they just hit a curb or, oh, or if okay. they, uh, you know, were <laughs> malachi crunched. <laughs> <laughs> and can the dealer help you out with that and, and uh, find in out lot, really? In a lot of cases, they can. In, in some instances, I'll actually call Carfax, and there are now websites where you can pay money and they will investigate to try and find out what, oh. what the accident was. In our case, we also have a collision center at Universal Imports. So a lot of our customers are repeat customers. If they've had an accident, we keep all of those files. And of course, we ask them if we can show them to the next owner. But if a car had an accident report on it, it was, it was fixed at our place. We have right away okay. the invoice of what all was right. done. And in some cases, they're really small. A lot, a lot of accidents are minor little bumper things that you don't really have to worry yeah, about. But likewise, you, you also want to be careful because an accident could be a big deal where, you know, you have uh, frame damage or something or it wasn't repaired. Right. Okay. So speaking about accidents, 
That's a nice segue into when we do, God forbid, we get into a fender bender and now we have to pull insurance and they get involved and they recommend us to go to a place. What do we need to know? What's really going on there? We want the inside scoop here. That's why we invited you in. (laughs) The best way for me to say it is that no one can tell you where you have to take your car. Okay. By law, they don't have to force you uh, to go somewhere. Okay. Whether it's repair work or collision work, uh, an insurance company or any other agency cannot say you have to have your car fixed. The consumer should do their research as to where they want to take their car and not base it necessarily on the insurance company's recommendation. Potentially, that will turn out to be the right place. But you as the consumer have the choice as to where you want to have your car fixed. I only can assume that insurance companies are trying to get the best rate to fix your vehicle. Is sometimes the quality of work less than superior? I don't think that we can uh, just blanket say that it's uh, going to be less quality work if you go to the place that the insurance company recommends. In fact, it might be a very high quality shop. Okay. But the way it works is that insurance companies do work with some collision centers to say that we want you to be a direct repair shop for us. You know, when the insurance company recommends a shop, they'll recommend the shop that they have some sort of contract or business with. However, it's your car. It's your call. Uh, Most insurance companies respect that. Pros and cons to selling the vehicle on our own. You see a car uh, parked in someone's front yard for sale. Is it the smartest way to do it financially? One of the things that's very important to consider that I find a lot of people don't put into their thought process when they are trying to figure out whether they should take the car and sell it on their own or trade it in. Mm-hmm. When you trade in a vehicle, you only pay the tax on the difference. So let's say you're buying a $20,000 vehicle and you're trading in a $10,000 car. Okay. You're only going to pay tax on $10,000, which in Monroe County is going to be $800 of sales tax. Okay. If you were just going to sell your car to your neighbor for $10,000 and walking into the dealership and buying the car for twenty, and maybe you want to either use the ten as down payment or keep it, you're going to pay tax on $20,000. So that's going to be $1,600. So you right away, if the dealership offered you 10 and your neighbor offered you 10, it's actually 10.8 at the dealership. How do they value your vehicle? There have been times where the dealer will say, okay, your car's worth 3,000. Uh, all right, we can push it up to five. How do they come up with those numbers? So there are a number of different car guides, NADA, Kelly Blue Book, Edmonds. Um, They look at some of those books. Black Book, those are all different car guides. I uh, have taken the approach of not looking so much at the car guides, but looking at the actual market. So if if you were to come in with your car and I was going to consider taking it on trade, I would take your VIN number, I would check the vehicle history report, see how that looks. Mm-hmm. If there was an accident, I may ask you about it. And if you have the records on it, that would be great because that would that would potentially offset me having to maybe offer you a little less because I'm not sure of what the accident is. Ah, was. okay. Um, you know, or in some cases, I may not even consider taking in a car in on trade if I don't, don't know, the know history. what oh, okay. the history was because I have to be 100% confident when I sell that car to the next person and be able to explain to them if there was an accident on there. So I would say if you go to the dealership and your car had been in an accident, get those invoices from the accident, have them with you so you can say this is what was done. That will be a huge help. Um, And then 
go on places like cars.com or autotrader.com or some of these car gurus, some of these websites where you can find out what your car sells for in the marketplace. Now, I'm not saying the dealer should give you what the car sells for. They have to make money too. But at least you now have a pretty good understanding of what your car is worth out in the real world. And so if they offer you a thousand or two less, that's in the right wheelhouse. You know, at least you'll have a general sense going into it. Car guides, I don't feel uh, sometimes can keep up with the market fast enough. So it's a good guide, just like it says, it's a guide, but it's, it's definitely not the end all. But again, it brings up conversation and honest conversation you can have. Yeah, of course. And, you know, I under everybody has to make money, right? That's how you stay in business. So the car dealership is going to try and get your car for less because they may not sell it on your lot. They may take it to auction. Uh, And Mm -hmm. so they are going to be looking at what does the car get at auction versus what does the car get on auto trader? So there is going to be a difference there. However, sometimes uh, if, if everything falls in line the right way, even if the dealer might give you less than your neighbor would, hopefully you're made whole by the tax savings that we talked about. A lot of us do have horror stories of taking our vehicle in for repairs. And I think it's safe to say that whenever we hear a weird noise, a strange noise coming from our car, or it feels like it's driving different, um, our first thought is, oh, great. How much is this going to cost? Or who can I trust to give me an honest diagnosis? What can we do to protect ourselves to, again, make sure that we're working with someone honest? Obviously, you have to be comfortable with your repair shop. And the way you get comfortable with your repair shop is take one of the service advisors there, get to know them, maybe get to even know one of the technicians that might be working on your car. We have a policy at our place where we save the parts that we put on someone's cars and we save them for a few weeks. So in case... There's a question of, oh, you know, can I see that part that we replaced? We have it. You can ask as many questions as you want when you are getting your car repaired. Ask them to help you understand what it is that you need. As far as pricing goes, you know, there are a couple ways to approach so much of the pricing when it comes to car repairs. At the dealer, most of the time, they're going to just offer you the, the franchise dealer manufacturer's parts which are in a lot of cases the best part to put on, but are also the most expensive. And in some cases, that is the right way to go. You have to put the part that's made by the manufacturer, that's the right part to put on. In other cases, it's not. It's a waste of money to go with the manufacturer's part, and there are some really good aftermarket parts that would work just as well. And the way to find that out, well, you can use the internet. You can also just talk to your service advisor and say, what do you recommend? If we put aftermarket brake pads on this car, will they be just as good as the manufacturer's brake pad? And in some cases, it will be, and in some cases, it won't. So I think it's a good idea to price shop a bit. By the way, independents can sell the, the parts from the manufacturer the same way the dealers can. So do a little price shopping. With brakes specifically, because that's brakes and tires are things that we all are going to have to deal with. When you have to get a brake job, do you have to do all four or front and back? You do not need to do all four. Um, in fact, the front brakes are going to wear out, are going to wear a lot faster than rear brakes. Okay. So you might have the same brake pad thickness on the rear, but it will la- it could potentially last twice as long as what you, that same thickness on the front. Okay. Uh, so most cars, you know, it, 
I don't know the exact ratio, but it's it's probably like 80-20, 80% front braking and 20% of the rear. That's why rear brakes are much smaller on most cars than okay. on the front. Um, so you so definitely it's not a matter of you got to do all four brakes at once. You definitely have to do left and right together. <laughs> How about brake pads and rotors? Because that, that's yeah. the question that'll come up. Uh, a long time ago, people would just put brake pads on old rotors. It's not necessarily unsafe. Every situation is different. Mm-hmm. Uh, but sometimes that can cause squeaking, brake pulsation, and then you'll be back shortly thereafter to get the rotors put on. And the problem when you do that is now that the new brake pads have worn into the old rotor a bit, now you have a a brake pad that's not brand new on a brand new rotor. So I think most repair shops do recommend pads and rotors together at this stage of the game. Most front brakes are ventilated discs, so there's not a ton of material on either side of that vented disc. The days where we would would shave the rotors down to make them smooth, there's still some places that do it. Um, and there may be even some applications where that still makes sense, but it's a pretty small percentage. The other thing is, is that brake rotors in general have come down in price too over the years. So it makes it a lot more sensible to probably just do pads and rotors front or rear when you need it. Great insight. Hopefully the car buying process or taking your car in for repairs is a little less intimidating now. Thank you, Mark Fierbacher, Vice President of Universal Imports on Linden Avenue, universalimports.com. Sandy, it was my pleasure. Thank you very much. The biggest financial hurdle for so many is college tuition, college debt. But thanks to Governor Cuomo, many people will be alleviated from that stress. Will it really work? How will the new free college tuition plan impact you? Is there a way that you can take advantage of it? We cash in with the expert Paul Selich from College Assistance Plus next week on Seven Figures on Twitter at Seven Figures Pod. And thank you so much for subscribing to the podcast on iTunes and Google Play. 